till we couldn't shake no more. We got down on our knees when cancer knocked at our door. We got kicked in the ass. We gave lots of sass. Oh, when it rains, it falls into this half full glass. Oh, thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. Victories in the dark. Hi, I'm Mimi Hall. And I'm Leanna House. And you're listening to Thanks Cancer. We are two cancer friends. And we're not doctors. We're not nurses. We're not shrinks. We're not psychics. We're not shamans. No, and cancer is pretty hard, too. I mean, cancer is a little hard. You might hear some swearing words in the episode. Ben, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish that we had when we were going through our treatment. (laughs) We're ready to go. Hey, Leanna. So we're talking about the coronavirus. Because why not? It's super timely. Everything is about the coronavirus. And Thanks Cancer is going to be about the coronavirus. Totally. And one of the things that brought it home for me was I was like, hey, Leanna, can you give me a hookup to some some masks? And you were like, nope, all out. I legitimately cannot. I work at a cancer center that usually has masks. They're like handing out masks like candy. And there's masks on every corner. And they, they are very strictly controlling the access to the masks. Yeah, it's interesting. So about two weeks ago, as you know, I went out and bought a bunch of like Lysol wipes, alcohol, like swabs. I bought a bunch of stuff for my employees like back in January in preparation for this. I I just sort of have a little like internal thing that goes off. Well, because when was the whole Wuhan thing happened? It started in January. It was like December, January, but like it really picked up steam in January in consciousness, I believe. Well, it seems to be escalating kind of exponentially. I guess that's how viruses work. But it like the the reactions and the everything in the news, like everything just kind of took off like crazy. I think it was when it started to spread to Europe and other countries in the Middle East that it, we started to realize the global effects of it. So I run a shop in the airport and I have to do projections on a weekly basis of what I think our sales are going to be. And so every week we're looking at a, a 10% reduction in flights between American and United. That's and we don't know the bottom yet. Right. We don't know the bottom yet because all of these conferences are canceled and people aren't sending their kids on trips. Okay, my hospital just canceled all business travel and so did the like the biggest hospital right. group in Massachusetts canceled all business travel and mm. it's bananas because you have these doctors that are traveling every week. Like sometimes they're traveling every week we and going can't to lose conferences the doctors. and they're just they just can't go anymore, no. which is bananas. I have never seen this happen before. No one it hasn't happened in our lifetime. <sighs> like this before. E- even with SARS, I mean, this is just the reaction to this is quite compelling. But I think it's the incubation period. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you and I have actually probably been exposed to so many coronaviruses working in a clinic area, working in a um, airport and public service area. I've been just been exposed to a lot of stuff as of you. So I don't feel particularly risk also with our ages, but I also recognize that I'm a vector. So I feel the need to sort of like isolate just voluntarily and not go to any nursing home right now. Well, 
I think that's fine, but, like, coronavirus has been around. It's, like, part of me thinks that everyone is, like, freaking the fuck out over something that is not that big of a deal. Well, it is a big deal because it's going to be taking out a lot of people who are immunocompromised who are going through cancer treatment. Right. And I want to protect those people. Right. And old elderly people who are just inherently immunocompromised. I had a grandmother who said, don't give flu shots to the old people in the old folks home because we make people live too long. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. So like, don't give us the flu shots. I hear her. I do. I feel her. I feel that. Like, I don't want to kill grandparents. I do think though. Unless they want to die. I do think that you're right. I think you and I have unique experiences too of having smelled the breath of death a bit early. So we can, it's almost like you become not immune to it, but less afraid through uh, exposure. Like death death is not the worst thing in the world. Well, when you dance with it when you're young enough, I mean, whenever I talk to these young cancer survivors who are truly younger than me, like kids or teenagers, they're so brave in a way that I'm not. Just as a function of their experience. So I think though, it is very interesting, like, I guess as someone who's been a cancer patient, I have a lot of sympathy towards cancer patients who are worried about this time when they're immunocompromised. And I have, in a way, some sort of resentment towards people who are smuggling all the masks who are not immunocompromised at all. I don't know if that exists for real, but like I do, if that does exist, I resent you. Okay, well, on the (laughs) one hand, I do think that there's things that we're being told that we're being told so that we don't take all of the masks from people who need Yeah, right. Yes. So (laughs) we're being told things like, this is useless and this is useless. And like, in some ways that's right, but in a lot of ways it's like, they don't want what's happening now, which is the shortage of masks. The masks that like go over your ears and those little masks, like... They don't do a lot unless you have the virus and you have to travel. Right. And um, it's not to prevent you from getting the disease, it's to prevent you from spreading the disease. Correct. Which is fair because it's up to a 16-day incubation period with most people. Uh Uh-huh. And the the masks that prevent you from getting the disease need to be, like, specifically... Like, you need to be trained... Mad Max. And you need to be trained to wear them, and you need to, like... They're carbon filters. Fitted, like, specifically. Like, it's a very elaborate process that, that the medical professionals go through, and the medical professionals are the ones that actually need it because they're the ones treating the fucking coronavirus patients. Another thing is that they it's been proven that the more exposure you have to coronavirus, the bigger load that you get of the coronavirus, which is why some medical professionals were getting ill and dying. I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. Look up the guy who was this oncolo- uh, ophthalmologist in um, Wuhan. Oh my god, and ophthalmologists are like all up in everyone's face all the time. That's the thing. Ugh, poor dentists. The whole thing. I mean, and the thing is, like, again, like, I just really feel like we've probably been exposed a long time ago, but... Well, it's been floating around. It's been floating around. And if you're, I mean, just working where I work. So what I'm doing right now is just to really soothe my my patrons, my guests, is just to put out huge bottles of Purell. I'm asking all of my team members to be really fastidious about 
taking alcohol swabs and wiping down their phones every single time because I worry about them handling money and then using their phones and putting them up to their face. People act like their phones are clean. Your phones are like the dirtiest fucking thing. Dirty. Yeah. So I just am really emphasizing like, look, I know you have to take phone calls, but make sure you wash your hands, wipe down your phone. And it's for your family because, again, my team members are probably immune to these things because they're so exposed to it working in the airport. However, they're abuelas, their grandmothers, their grandpas, their kids are not. Their customers. Their customers too. And the other team members, some of them. I've lost I've lost a couple of team members recently. Because of illnesses. And I don't think they're related, but I also can't completely 100% know. Do you offer sick time? <sighs> Five days a year. That's not enough. It's a lot for food service. It is a lot for food service. Yeah. So I uh, I was sick with the flu last week. I was off work for an entire week, and I felt very good that I have a job that has sick time, but it's something like... 70% of workers don't right. have sick time or something fucking bananas. That's why the economy is going for a tailspin right now. And I think there's been some discussion about sending people checks and doing some governmental resources towards people that are hourly workers. Because the thing is, is like if they come in when they're sick too, that's a horrible condition, especially when you're in an airport. Well, and it's also like the stupidest thing because some people that I've worked with in the past, they use it like this litmus test and it's the bosses and it's also the employees themselves where like, it's like this martyrdom where right. I will come in and a job works through it. You'll work through it. you to work right. through it. And I was lucky that I, so I took an entire week off, but I was able to work 12 hours that week because like shit still had to get done. But you did it remotely. I did it remotely. Right. Yes. Which is fair. And that's the whole thing. There's now an underclass of people who cannot work remotely for whatever reason. And it's not like you're not making as much money, but it's just that you have to show up come rain, hail, shine, virus, or whatever. And that is really hard. And a lot of those people do tend to work two jobs, too. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have some team members that report to me who make, you know, not as much money as me in this job, but they have like three jobs. So they actually make slightly more money than me, but they're supporting like five to six to 10 people and in working two different countries. crazy hours, which means they're more susceptible to getting sick sleep. anyway. They don't sleep. They always are complaining. They're like 23, 24, 25 years old. And they're always like, my feet are swollen. My... And I try to give them my advice, but in the end, I try to give them advice, honestly, about how they can use this job to springboard themselves to the next step because it's my job to be a mentor. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're little off-road I'm really so I've just been wiping everything down with disinfectant we stocked up on it two weeks ago thank god because you can't get any now no people are making their own which I've heard like you don't actually know what you're doing so maybe don't try to make your own no I'm not in restaurant grade you need like I mean this is at the airport I need like stuff that's just like proven to kill coronavirus and so I've got that and I'm just like constantly wiping everything down and it's not like it's really helping maybe but it just makes everyone feel better right I, I think it is helping. Like do we're doing, helping. we're doing a lot of things that we should be doing anyway, which is like wash your wash hands. your hands all the time. Wash your hands all the time, and wash well. Wash your hands after you touch your face, yes. and then don't touch your face. And follow serve safe procedures if you're in food service. Right. Obviously, right. So at the hospital, like people are really, really scrupulous about washing their hands already. Obviously, um, obviously. But I've been I've really... learned a lot in the hospital. Oh yeah. Well, Plenty. and whatever. I've been super comforted because. 
because every day we get an email or two with the latest update of like what we're doing and you know what the situation is and everything's under control. And when I was out sick, I thought that I was only going to be out four days and I was going to be able to go in on Friday. But I went into the hospital and they saw me at occupational health and they said, when is the last time you threw up? And they would not let me back in because we have immunocompromised patients and no, you I get, are not I allowed that. in the building. I love it too. Like it's a very, it's very comforting to me. Mm-hmm. It's very comforting to me though, that like there are people that are on this situation. Safety measures. Total safety measures, especially in the most vulnerable population. So tell me about like, what was it like being immunocompromised for you? Like going through cancer treatment? Yeah. So first of all, like I just smelled everything and I hated that. So I didn't want to be in other people's cars. Like I wanted to be in my own car and no one else's car. So that was one thing. Just like, I just wanted to be like, I, I get isolated. Do you know what I mean? Like, again, it's right. like isolation. So to be clear, like getting chemotherapy destroys your immune system. There's also me and Mimi didn't have bone marrow transplant, but a bone marrow transplant like completely decimates. Dec- it just kills it. It yeah. decimates your immune system. You are a baby. You can't have honey for a year. You are actually a baby. And you're you worse have than to, a baby. You're worse than a baby. And you have to like you're you're you have no antibodies. You have nothing. You should live in a bubble. You're, yeah, I was going to say you're the boy or the girl in the bubble. Mm-hmm. So it sucks. So, it sucks. but that came along for you with all of the nausea and the like just I didn't grossed have nausea. out. I didn't have nausea. I just had, I mean, listen, I had like constant diarrhea for like a year and a half on her septin. I smelled everything like a rat. Um, <laughs> I did. I was like, when I found out that her septin was grown in like hamster cells, I'm like, it's the hamster cells. I smell like a rodent. I could smell everything. I could smell everything. And I'm a Bikram teacher and student and it was awful. Oh my God. Gross. No, Did I you could... go to Bikram? Yeah, of course. Because it was a year and a half of being on receptive. How more. often did you do yoga throughout that process? Not that long. It was kind of at the tail end of it. But I mean, it was like for, you know, nine months or eight months that I did yoga. Like every week? Well, the every... beginning and the end. Because I started in the beginning before I had my initial, you know, mastectomy. And then I began at the end. So it was, yeah, um, it was like probably nine months, give or take, from the, be- you know, at the beginning and the end, bookending it. You are pretty hardcore. Yeah, no shit. So anyway, I but I but I was not so hardcore when it came to smells. So it was just like everything was just like ah. So occasionally I get on the T, and which I really didn't love it during that period. I did not try to get on the train, and I would just smell if someone had eaten McDonald's or Burger King. Like every so often, these kids oh. would come in from Burger King on the bus that I was on, and I'd just be like, oh, teenage smells with Burger King. It was just so gross to me. Now I don't smell it as much. My sense of smell has stayed heightened. But anyway, being immunocompromised was a little bit like that for okay. me. Also, don't eat food on public transportation. Right. I also do feel, though, that having been a Bikram instructor and having been in so many grody studios and having gone through completely grody training and also having worked in the public with farmers markets and just lots of handshakes and whatnot in various events and being an event planner, I've been exposed to so much that I feel like I'm definitely, I'm one of my neurotic ex-boyfriends, excuse me, of being a vector. And I do think like I am more or less a vector, which is why I still get things like the flu shot. You, you know, are a vector because of all your connections. I don't know about that. I don't feel like I'm super, con- I feel super low right now, as you know, but like I do honor everyone who I know and I think they're awesome. And um, I do hope that they improve my immune system. <laughs> 
coronavirus. Okay. I think they have. I mean, because, like, it's proven, like, the more people you come in contact with, which I come in contact with, like, thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, maybe a week. Like, that's that helps your immune system. Which is why I think public transportation is good. Now, what's funny about the public transportation is our friend Allie, total germaphobe during her... Well, she had leukemia. She had a situation where she had to be paranoid about germs, right? Yes, she had to be paranoid about germs, and, like, she had a different chemo. But what was funny is that right when I met her, she hadn't been on public transportation for, like, two years or something. Oh my god, that's a long time, yeah. And when you don't have a car in Boston, and you don't take public transportation, like... What do you do? (laughs) I don't know! Take Uber, I guess? She get Uber, you walk painless distances. She did did walk a lot, but when I met her, she was like, I need to get back on the T, and I'm really freaked out about it, so... I get that. Can you come with me? Can we do it on a day that's, like, chill? And we went on... Monday at 10. No, we went on, like, a Saturday afternoon or something. That's all right. You do have to, like, build your immune system back up after... right. After the being decimated. I was given shots to stimulate my immune system. What? The Elasta shots? You weren't given shots? No. (gasps) Oh, my God. Okay, so after every chemo... I feel chipped. It was kind of amazing. So... 24 hours after chemo, I could give it to myself or I could go in and get it done. It's a shot of Nulasta, which costs like $10,000, but it stimulates your bone marrow or your white blood cells and it brings your white counts up. Wow. And my my counts, I didn't need it, but that's amazing. Yeah. A wow. Lot, a lot of people wow. get Nulasta so that they I've can like the make it through I've seen the television commercials. Yeah. I, th- I think it's called Nulasta. I'm pretty sure. I think sure. it is too. Um, yeah. But what's interesting is... That's exciting. It causes bone pain because it's like artificially stimulating <gasps> Oh, because it's like... It's almost bones. like your... So it's almost like those growth pains that you have when you're a mm-hmm. teenager, right? I'm so glad I didn't get it mm-hmm. now. Oh my God, first I was jealous. Now I'm not jealous. Oh, story of life. That's the story of our relationship. Correct. I also... Wow, wow. It was It was kind of nice with me because even though like my immune system was low my oncologist didn't want me to isolate. She was like, if you, you know, you should, you should go out, you should live your normal life. And I was kind of shocked by that. No, I, I, I'm not, I'm so glad she did that because that was my, what I learned through my research and through my oncologist too, is you're rebuilding your biome around the contacts you have. So rebuild it the way your life is. So I made a point to be in touch with children, pets, earth, did a lot of gardening. I did a lot of swimming on Cape Cod, in the bay, in the ponds, trying to like kind of rebuild what I started out with, but being selective too. Did I swim in Payne's Creek that had sewage running in it when I was a kid? No. Chose not to do that. It's not even there anymore because they took the sewage pipes away but anyway like it was kind of interesting it was like almost like consciously rebuilding your biome right yeah which you cool it is cool and when she told me that i could do what i normally did i'm like can i go out clubbing and make out with strangers right but she told me that i shouldn't make out with visibly sick strangers Which I think is good advice for and everyone. No matter what, if anyone has an open sore in their mouth, you just shouldn't kiss them. Don't do that. Well, don't kiss don't anyone do sneezing, coughing, and sneezing. But no. it was. Especially nowadays. It was nice to have that have that reassurance. And also, like, we live in a pretty healthy place. 
I mean, in America, in in America, like, right, we do. We live in the pinnacle of like, I mean, we may not be number one, but we're like up there compared to other places. And so much of what we are sick with or not sick with depends on herd immunity. Right. Right. Yeah, it's like it's like not my behavior washing my hands. It's also other people's behavior washing their hands. Correct. And I mean, the thing we have to remember places like Wuhan is that there's a tradition of having babies walk around with like slip pants where they don't have diapers but their poo just falls right out onto the street and that happens all the time that's like normative in places like Wuhan there's also the culture of smoking 80% of men over a certain age smoke um, which makes you super super susceptible to upper respiratory tract infections there's a whole culture of doing the hawking lungies Mm -hmm. I would say as a New Englander the pollution mm mm-hmm correct the pollution which is going to give you issues which is now clearing up which i find so like mother earth ironic Uh mother earth is like i'm making you sick so that you will (laughs) you will clean up my shit lessons learned from mother also just the population density like if you live in a really dense place you can't have that personal space from other people who are coughing, you know? I think there's also the awareness of it too, just like now that we're all aware of it, but like Wuhan, unfortunately, was not made aware of it before it all happened. They were just there. That 16 day incubation period is the problem. That is therein the problem. That's why it's weirder than SARS, even though SARS was more deadly. It's just that this is a longer incubation period. So a bunch of people came through Boston Logan Airport with this disease. I probably came in contact with them one way or another, but nothing's happened to me again i feel like i freaking had this thing in the fall i had the worst respiratory issues i've ever had in my life i had fevers i was sweating all the time it was awful it went up for months it went up for like three or four months well and way more people have this and have had this it's just we're not testing for it right and i also think that but if you've had a lot of exposure to coronaviruses you're as a teacher or kid or person who works in the public oh you're fine I I think that with the virus, like the danger is that the systems get overwhelmed, right? Okay, yeah. So this is something that we talk about a lot. So I'm a doomsday prepper. A and I bit. am just a realist. <laughs> well, I knows a lot about supply chains. I grew up as a prepper, so I know the culture, and everything does feel very precarious. Like our just-in-time food system and our health system with no sick time, and our just everything seems. You know, people don't have four hundred dollars in savings things and can't miss work like it's they don't know how to eat they don't know how to eat and if the shelves are empty the food is you know five days away or whatever it is and if someone misses work and doesn't put the order in like it's just it seems like a house of cards just waiting to fall yeah it it is actually there's a 92 hour supply chain for pretty much all supermarkets in america right now what so what does that mean so that means if the supply chains break down, so if there's a quarantine and there's no way of getting food for, what is that, five days, then you are not going to get any food and it will all be run out because everything is meant to run out in 92 hours. That's the turnover for every oh. single product in the supermarket. And McDonald's work in a 24 hours to 12 hours supply chain turnover. Okay. So they're even faster. So the food will be gone now. There's some people like us who know how to do things. Like one of the things I did a few weeks ago was I just stocked up on a lot of my cat's food just because why not? Like they're going to 
use it anyway. I just increase my pars. I just double things up, right? And you should get things that you're using anyway. But so where I just grew get up, more. everyone had a year's worth of food storage. Everyone. Right. And it's just And you stuff, rotate through you it. You rotate through it and you buy stuff that you eat. Rotate and your stock. It took me a long time to not try to get a year's worth of food storage, which I think is a little extreme, but everyone should have like two weeks, two months, because you don't know what's going to happen. I just bought 50 pounds worth of legumes. I mean, I think that's completely sensible. Everyone who I'm talking to about this who's sensible does that flour, oil, water. These are the things you need to be able to make bread. And things last a long time. Get stuff that you eat. Get like a couple yeah. of cans of freaking chili or something. The issue is, Leanna, though, a lot of people rely on fast food and such in our culture, and they're the ones who are going to get hurt the most because those supply chains run out in 12 to 24 to 48 hours. So that's the thing that really hurts is that you've got to start to think more cleverly about like, okay, I'm going to buy rice, a lot of rice, because I can eat rice and beans. And rice is really Really, really good for you. And like also rice and beans. Right yeah. now, you can't get any face masks or alcohol swabs or anything in the CVS. But what you can probably still get is spices. Get a lot of spices and get a lot of pulses, get a lot of beans, get a lot of lentils, get a lot of rice, get a lot of chickpeas. Just just set yourself up. And if you like meat, get a lot of meat and put it in the freezer. So what's interesting to me is that like cities, when they plan for things, they plan that if people go 72 hours without food, you will have civil unrest because hungry people are upset people. Yeah, you also have to learn how to starve yourself. Okay, so you should learn how much energy your body, how much energy your body really needs and be able to function while fasting. You should exercise after a fast and you should see if you can handle it and then you should start to do that because if the poo ever hits the fan, you are going to need to exercise when you're hungry. And by the way, mankind designed to kind of like get up when you need to kill an antelope. Well, and we don't need, like, you go to a restaurant and one meal is going to be 3,000 calories. Like, we don't need that much. That's insane. I understand how much people eat because I serve them every day and I can't believe it, but, like, your body will really benefit from you reducing calories and doing more calorie restriction, and you should do it now during the fat times and not under duress. Because if you do it fear-based, I'm sorry, it's it's not going to be good. Yeah, it's not going to be good. So, I think that the protocol is don't freak out, but you should have food storage. Reduce, reuse, recycle. And you should be able to go a day without food. Yeah, you should be able, I think you should be able to go like a day or two without food. I mean, if your cancer taught you anything, you're a tough person. You know, you're a really, really tough person. You can do anything. You can do pretty much anything. And as far as like, I say isolation is awesome. I'm really hoping it hits big and hard in a way so I can just like spend a lot of time watching TV. That that actually sounds amazing. Doesn't it sound great? Uh Uh-huh. Although I just canceled my internet, so... You can come over here. We can be isolated together. I'm fine with that. So one of my other protocols is remember that you are responsible for your own health, but also the health of the people around you. Yeah, like help other people too. Like help other people by washing your fucking hands. Oh my God. And one of the things I did is I wiped down like for my postman today, like my, you know, my box. You know what I mean? Like my post box. Like I just like, I wiped that down. I wiped my like handle down just for all the people that touch it. Wipe down your phone with Always. alcohol? Always. A few times an hour. Ugh. 
Depending on how you use it, for sure. Especially if you go to the bathroom, people. It's so fucking gross. Yeah, I heard Sorry. someone say that a bunch of guys were washing their hands after using the bathroom, and I'm like, do guys not fucking wash their hands? No, guys after don't. Using a the lot bathroom? of guys don't wash their hands. I think it's a weird like. <sighs> I've heard that a lot from people these days. I don't days. like that. At all. I don't like that revelation. <laughs> very disheartening. Although I think that we're probably in a much better place. It's almost like after 9-11, like the security was better than ever. I think in some ways, like we're probably in a cleaner hand era now. So what I'm worried about is the second wave. The fall? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's... Every... Where the 1918 flu hit hard. Uh-huh. And every hundred years. Every hundred years, there's been a big pandemic. I think what I'm most concerned about is with this. I mean, it could be the mutation, sure. I think what you're saying is valid. But I'm also just basically concerned about the economy because the perception is the reality when it comes to the economy. Because the economy is all made up anyway. Well, it's all emotional. It's all perception-based. And so what we're seeing right now is this huge decline. So I'm kind of looking at this and I'm like, huh, looks like I might have some time off coming If we all had two (laughs) weeks worth of food storage, everyone could just stay home for two weeks. And I think that would be a great idea. I definitely have two weeks of food storage for me and my cats right now. And that's important. Like, guys, stock up on your pet food because, like, you don't want to get stuck in a pinch where you have to go out during the coronavirus. I have two months. Yeah. You have to, like, (laughs) you have to have enough. You have to have enough. I'm going out tomorrow to get more. And I'm I'm taking care of, like, when you get coupons now and stuff, get it now. Because seriously, like, remember, last week I was able to buy all of these, like, wipes and stuff they're gone now in the cvs you cannot buy them the other thing that's really good is salsa salsa is great salsa has a long shelf life pasta sauce dried pasta so much seriously get some food storage and Um, just learn to eat less too like this is your chance to minimize like just think about it like if you can eat a quarter of what you normally eat you can stretch out your food stores by four times just math great joke about hashtag dark arts but the thing is is like I do intermittent fasting and I can honestly tell you like my food costs are down by a half because I don't eat before two so it's just like oh and then also I eat at work but like whatever intermittent fasting is a good thing to look into it saves a lot of money (laughs) and just like take care of yourself but yeah I think in the end like also just realize like like realize what the hell is going on and just like take care of yourself and I'm so sorry if you're going through cancer during this it was one of my worst fears that something like this would happen when I was going through cancer I am so sorry if you're going through cancer like really isolate and how do you do that if you have to go through surgery, Leanna. Okay, well, you can't... The hospitals are taking this very seriously. I'm talking about, like, isolation from people. Like, do phone calls or FaceTime. Exactly. people write you cards. Exactly. Like, take a couple... Like, take four weeks and be like, just write me a card. Don't Totally. But I'm just so worried about people, like, going through, like, breast implant exchanges. Like, the other stuff. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, they could get exposed. I know, and you're exposed to, like, whoever has any... You know what I mean? Like, I just... I just, I'm so sorry this is going on while you're going through this. That's all I have to say is like, I'm so sorry. And just, just take care. You know, I drank a lot of apple cider vinegar just like with water while I was going through this stuff for my immune system. I don't know if it's a protocol. I just wish you well. You know, I'm sorry, but this is happening while this is going on. And in fact, maybe the hospitals are cleaner than ever. Again, like after 9-11. The hospitals are taking this very seriously. Because you work in one, so you know. And if I could take your coronavirus, I would. Because then I'd just get another two weeks off of work. That sounds amazing. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
sign me up. <laughs> Not really. I'm joking. Well, in a dark um, way. I'm saying no thanks, coronavirus. I'm saying no thanks, coronavirus. But I guess I'm saying thanks, cancer, for making me tough enough to look at the coronavirus and be like, yeah, my killer it was a little bit higher with that uh, cancer I had. So uh, I'm just going to look at you in the eye and say, okay. Thanks, cancer, for making me fearless. Yeah, thanks, cancer, for making me more fearless. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, Leanna. Thanks, Mimi. Thanks, cancer. Thanks, cancer. That was our episode. Thanks for listening to Thanks Cancer. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. And you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Thanks Cancer. And please, we'd love to hear from you your stories. Your protocols. Exactly. Advice that you have to share with the community. So send us your audio files at info at thankscancer.com. Well, the traffic stopped you lay on the horn and you ask yourself where is my cancer unicorn but we're at the gate with your cancer card we're your passport date cause cancer's damn hard oh thanks cancer thanks cancer thanks cancer victories in the dark <laughs>